Amen, amen. All right, tonight's scripture, we are in Matthew 6, 1 through 6, and then 16 through 18. So if you all want to take your Bibles out, we're in Matthew 6, 1 through 6, and then 16 through 18. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Tonight, tonight is, uh, is, so, is so relevant um, because I think these passages, as I first started to study them, I was thinking, where is the relevancy in this text? Because we always want to teach the word of God, but we want it to be like applicable for you, for young adults in particular. And so I have a unique opportunity we do every week to say, hey, how, how does the word of God translate to, to folks in their 20s and 30s that are living life and, and, and working and, and, and going to grad school and getting it done? Um, and, and as I studied, I thought, this is so relevant because isn't so much of life performance? I mean, so much of what we do is like, how good did we do? How much did we do? Did we do better than them? Um, I mean... You know, again, this is not to dig a hole any, any, I'm just going to name some things, but like people are like, have you done 75 hard? And I'm like, no, they have, like they've outperformed me. Um, you know, people talk around here, we've been talking about reading the Bible in 90 days and some people are doing it in like super, super weak. They're reading it like the year. Like, that's a joke because, like, that's good. But, like, it's like perform. Oh, I'm only reading it in a year. I'm like, you're reading your Bible. It's amazing. Um, you know, when you post something, like, how many likes did you get? Um, I heard a guy get asked the other day, how many dates has he been on this year? It's like, and they were going to compare. And I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Literally, mouths are open. Sorry. Probably shouldn't have said that. Um, I know what's happening around here. Um, and so, like, I mean, people are like, did you get the promotion? Did I get the promotion? Um, some people are in the same office in here, and you know who did and who didn't. Uh, um, I mean, who's got more money? Who, if you're a real Christian, like, who serves the church better? Who's here more? Uh, I mean, it, like, it's, it's the whole, so much of Western culture is performance. Am I the favorite, the smartest, the funniest, the, the prettiest, the richest, the fittest, the toughest? It, it, the list keeps going on until it's like, well, am I at least the most best there is at something? And if this relates to you at all, I promise you the Lord has a word for you tonight in this second chapter, the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's so good that our Savior, who we celebrate and worship, who went to the cross, as he spoke words 
knew that we would hear them and he would have a message for us 2,000 years later that is so, so relevant. So let me pray for us. Lord, I do ask that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, move in our hearts. Surprise us by moving in our hearts tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son who speaks these words to us. Thank you for your spirit that moves in our hearts. Lord, would you ambush us? Would you surprise us tonight with a word from you? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If I had to sum the whole night up in one word, it's, it's up in the, in the yellow there. Um, sorry, if you can go back one. There we go. It's, it's that word validation. I think that's what we're all talking about is like what validates us. And so there's, there's three little ways that I want to look at it tonight. I think the Lord's desire for us to live in a way to please him alone does a few things. It frees us from the tyranny of man's approval and what a bad, bad master man's approval is. It helps us see, uh, it helps the world see Jesus when we live freed from that. And it allows us to know and love the Father as we were always meant. The other day, uh, yesterday actually, um, in our, our staff meeting, um, we have it in this back hallway here. And um, Will, if you haven't met Will, he was, he's our, our worship leader. Will, uh, over here, he was sitting down kind of catty corner from me. And I noticed on his laptop this um, this, I noticed a yellow something on the corner of his laptop and I didn't know what it was. Um, and so yesterday evening, we were talking about like the worship tonight. We were talking about, um, we were talking about where I, th- I thought I was going to land in the message. And, uh, and as we were talking about it, he said, you know, I have a note on my laptop from when we did ODR on this passage. ODR is one of our Christ Covenant podcasts. It's our daily rhythm. It's a daily release of scripture. And anyway, he, he, didn't know that I had noticed it in the staff meeting. And I said, well, what, what does it say? And we've got a little picture, I think, that he sent me of it. Um, it says, give me a secret life of faith. And it's so good. We'll just leave that up for a second because it's so good and it's just kind of warm feeling. I feel warm when I saw that picture. Um, but this idea of like, give me a secret life of, of faith because he was saying, look, as he studied this part of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, beware of practicing your righteous deeds before other people to be seen by them. You have no reward from your father. Uh, your father sees in secret. He said it just reminded him that people that are really faithful, really like a heart for God, the deeper you cut into them, the, the more you find out about their love for God and God's love for them. And so I, I just thought that was beautiful. I hope now I haven't ruined his secret life of faith by posting it publicly. Anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's just take a look. Let's look at verse one. In fact, the whole first half of this sermon is really on verse one because I, I think there's such meat in this, um, in this verse. But he starts off and he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Uh, and, and when you look at that, he, then he, there's a, a pause in the sentence in the statement. He says, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So again, I think this, this first verse has much to tell us. Um, but if you, just, if you just read it and were like kind of being super literal, you'd say, be careful about practicing your righteous deeds in front of other people. Does that mean a, a Christian doesn't do anything righteous where other people can see it? Well, if you, all you have to do is go back one page in your Bible to chapter five, and most the, the whole second half of chapter five is like 
how to live out your faith. And so it's a little bit confusing. Like, don't do things in front of people, um, you know, uh, to, be, to be seen by them. And at the same time, the Christian faith is definitely something we live out. I mean, he talks about how to wage war on lust uh, by plucking off out your eyes and cutting off your hands. He talks about um, don't get divorced, you know, keep dancing with the one you brought, like the, the practice of being like a, a devoted husband. Um, do what you say you're gonna do. This is all in chapter five. He says to go the extra mile when the evil person asks you to do something that, that they just don't wanna do. Um, he talks about loving your enemies. These are all like Christian things that we do that the world can see. Um, I mean, but in the next breath, he says this word, this, this word beware. And I think this is a really interesting word. It's not, it's not translated great in English. But when you go back to the Greek, what you see is it means don't even give a thought. It's a, it's a really rich word that we just put into, into English as beware, use caution. But it, it's a robust Greek word that means it's not even worth the effort. So he starts off this whole section, and the section is on, um, you know, it's on giving, it's on prayer, and it's on fasting. And he says, hey, don't even give a thought. Don't, don't even waste your time of practicing your righteousness before people. And, and so I think the reason this is a little confusing is because Christianity um, is not a private faith. Right? We have ways we live out our faith, but I think what Jesus is saying is there are right and wrong ways to practice our faith. And that's really, really important. He's, he's helping us see there are right and wrong ways to practice our faith. He's not saying never do righteous things in front of people. Again, just go back to chapter five and you'll see that. But let's, let's finish the thought in Matthew 6.1. So this word, beware, like don't, don't, don't even give it a thought. Don't waste your time of practicing your righteousness before other people in order, these five words. This, this is like, if you need to leave, just let me finish this statement and then you can go because this, it's these five words. To, to be seen by them. To be seen by them. Look, now, now we're cooking all right, now, now we're, we're moving somewhere. Don't even give a thought to living out your Christian faith so that they notice, to be seen by them. I mean, in our teaching meeting, we talked about this at length yesterday, just these five words. To be seen by them, one of the guys in the teaching meeting said, it's killing us. When we live our lives to be seen, to be validated by them, and most of the time, so like I would say half the time, we can say exactly who them is. But most of the time, them is just a mysterious cloud. To be seen by, to be seen by them. Um, jo Jordan Coughlin was saying, he said, look, I, I think performance, this whole passage is about performance. Performance is the air we breathe. It's like, it is what we're taught. I mean, you think about it. When you were a kid in school, when you went to kindergarten, when you left preschool, you entered the realm of teaching you how to perform. 
how to, how to be the best, the smartest, the quickest, all those things. Uh, I mean, I think worry, anxiety, depression, loneliness, it's a plague. And Jesus is the balm. And that's, that's, what he's, that's what he's telling us here. He's screaming freedom for us. Western world in 2024, all the way back in like 30 AD, he's screaming freedom. You know, when, when he taught this, he taught this to a group of, of Jewish men and women up on, um, over by the Sea of Galilee. I've been to this spot. It's like an amphitheater, like a natural amphitheater. You can speak in a, in a speaking voice and people 150 yards away can hear you. It's just the way that God designed this little area. So he's delivering this sermon in that environment. And I imagine there were probably some Pharisees nearby. And the Pharisees, they get a, hard, they get a bad rap if you're, if you're around church long enough. People will talk about how bad the Pharisees were. And they weren't great. But there were actually seven kinds of Pharisee in Jesus' day. And they were religious leaders. And only two of the seven types of Pharisees, only two of, the, of them like actually had pretty good theology, and they had really good theology. If they were Christians, we would have pretty identical theology. But only one of the seven types actually followed God out of love, and so they're called the Pharisee of love. The other good type of Pharisee, the one with good theology, followed God out of fear. They were called the Pharisee of fear. But I actually think Jesus is preaching to people that were attracted to the Pharisaical life, but I don't think he was preaching to either of those two types of Pharisees. In this moment, I think he's talking to the Pharisee that they nicknamed the shoulder Pharisee because they lived their Jewish faith. They lived their faith in Yahweh in such a way that they might as well have carried their good deeds for God on their shoulder so that all could see. So I think as he's talking here, he's talking to the shoulder Pharisee and he says, hey, beware Beware of feeling like you've got to show everybody just how Christian you are. Beware of that. Don't even give thought to that. Uh, I mean, I, I think the question is, are we any different today? What percentage of Christians are really comfortable with that sticker that Will's got on his laptop, the secret life of faith? Like, who's going to notice you if, you if you embody what Jesus is saying here, that you, you really do live for an audience of one? And I think we got to ask, like, why is Jesus so concerned? Why would he use the word beware? Why would he say, don't even let your mind think about doing your righteousness so other people will see you? Why? I mean, he's concerned about this. And I think there's a few different reasons that he's concerned about this. One, I think that he's talking about what I would call the mortification of self-promotion. He is, he is offering you the chance to kill the idea that you have to self-promote in order to be validated. Y'all, this should be like somebody just flipped on the AC when it was like August, this should feel really good. He, he is giving you permission to practice the self-mortification or the mortification of self-promotion. I think another thing he's doing is he's offering us kind of a challenging thing here to do things for God that require great effort. Again, giving, praying, fasting. Do things for God that require great effort and try to go unnoticed except for the eyes of God. Now, 
why these two things? Why the mortification of self-promotion? Why do things that require great effort and, and try to go unnoticed except for by the eyes of God? Let's just, let's just kind of sit in that question for a second. I think to really answer this question, we have to take one big step back and we have to remember the big picture of what is happening. The big picture of what's happening is what we're going to talk about in that crash course tonight. It's the meta-narrative of what's happening. What happened is that God so loved the world in our brokenness that he sent his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him might not perish but have eternal life. We've been brought into a relationship with God through Jesus and now we are a part of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. So when we live for an audience of one, which is what Jesus is begging us to do, he's giving us freedom and permission to have our validation solely in him. When we live for an audience of one, the world's gonna see the one we're living for. But when I live for an audience of some, when I live for the approval of others, it's actually not the others that the world sees, it's me. Jesus is saying in a very roundabout way, hey, if you'll trust that your father sees in secret and will reward you, if you'll embrace this secret life of faith as you live out your faith, if you'll do that, the world will actually see me in you any other mix and they see you and they miss him. And now we've messed up the big picture of what he's doing. We put ourselves in the forefront. We put ourselves in the spotlight. Timothy Keller calls this the freedom of self-forgetfulness. If you want a quick little little audio book or a quick little read, get a copy of the freedom of self-forgetfulness. He illustrates all this. And what I think what's happening here is we get this beautiful gift. He's giving us freedom, confidence, validation. One of my favorite verses, and it comes to mind often when we talk about this idea of true freedom in the Lord, being validated by him and not having to worry about if you or I validate each other. This verse comes to mind, 1 John 5, 3. It's a beautiful verse. For this is the love of God that we keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. But for some of you, this is burdensome. The thought of like relinquishing your own greatness. The thought of maybe not getting noticed because you didn't put yourself in front of everybody else. That seems scary and burdensome. But I promise you, the commands of God are not burdensome. They're just not easy. This is a hard thing to believe and realize that like the Lord will see you and reward you when you die to self and promote him. You know, we've got Trip Lee coming next week and in the same record label as Trip is Lecrae and Lecrae has a great line. It'll be my last of these four. It says, he says, if you live for people's approval, you'll die from their rejection. That's an excellent punctuation mark on this. And I think that's what Jesus is telling us here. He says, don't even give a thought to practicing your righteous deeds before other people to be seen by them because it's going to kill you if you do. There's great freedom in the secret life of faith that he's offering us. And, and he says, 
back, back in here. He says, beware of practicing your righteous deeds, your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for you will have no reward. Now, this is an interesting, an interesting word, no reward. Like, what are these rewards that we get from the Father? And I think we're, I'm going to try to illustrate a few different rewards that I think we see the Lord give. But um, maybe, maybe this will just help. We talk sometimes on, on Sunday morning about the cross-shaped life. And, if, and this is an old idea. Before the cross, you go back to the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments are vertical. They're between us and God. The next six commandments are horizontal. They're between us and people. And I think what we have here that Jesus is listing in this first part of, of Matthew chapter six, I think he's giving us some, uh, I think he's giving us a, a cross-shaped life. So some of the things that we are supposed to do as Christians, I'm gonna try to draw this, it's not gonna be pretty. Um, I think some of the things that we do are unto God. And that's what he's talking about here in Matthew six, this, this praying, this giving, this fasting. These are, these are very sacred, righteous deeds that we give to God. And yet they will get noticed publicly, but this needs to be for God, to God. And at the same time, we never step out and just do our own thing as Christians. There are other things that he asks us to do. That's an N, by the way. In the name of God. And that's that vertical access or that horizontal access as a Christian. So as a Christian, there are it's all connected in Christ, but there are some things that we do unto God directly. And his eyes are roaming to and fro throughout the earth, looking to support those whose hearts are fully devoted to his, who is saying, I hope God sees me in secret. I'm embracing the secret life of faith. I don't have to promote my worship to God, my duty to God, my responsibility to God. And there are other things that are meant to be seen more visibly. And those are things that he asks us to do. It's a lot of chapter five. And those are in the name of God, I do those things. So, Let's go back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna blow through these. There are whole sermons on all three of these ideas. We are we did, you notice we did skip the Lord's prayer. If you were reading in a, in your Bible, we are gonna come back to the Lord's prayer, but that's a that's a whole other night in itself. So let's go to let's go to verse two here, and let's go two through four, and let's see the first of these areas. Um, and, and we'll look for this how to do this secretly, and we'll also look for what is the gift in each of these. So. Uh, so in verse two, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. I mean, just practically, part of this is, hey, when you give to the Lord, and this is financially, when you give to the Lord, like, don't make a big deal of like why you can't go on the trip with your friends. I'm such a tither. Really can't go with you right now to that restaurant. I'll make my own food and post about it and call it like that restaurant. Like, no, you've just like, there's your reward. Congratulations. I hope you like it. Like, at the old church that I worked at, I asked, um, I asked our, our business guy one day, um, I was like, he said, guys, we got this crazy check in the offering. We passed offering plates pre-COVID. We passed offering plates. COVID killed the offering plate. Um, but actually they were like buckets, like chicken. I think they were chicken buckets. 
I think they were, um, just no labels, no branding. But anyway, we passed these buckets, and uh, he, in, our, in our Monday morning staff meeting, there's just, there's just it's like a small group of guys in that staff meeting, and he said, he said, guys, we had the craziest gift yesterday. And I was like, what, what kind of gift? Like, how much? I wasn't asking who. And he was like, it was, it was something over $300,000. And it was in just like a check. And it was just folded up one time and dropped in the plate. And I'm like, that's like, that's like a scratch-off guy's dream. They're like, bingo! Like who? Like $10, $20, 300000 Like I win. Like, I mean, and he, then he gave me like a little lesson. He always had lessons. And uh, his name's Jerry. Jerry always had lessons. He said, Thomas, you'd be amazed. I know if somebody calls me and they say, hey, I need to meet you in your office. Got a little special, something special I want to give to the church. He's like, it's pitiful. It's not $300,000. It's nothing like it. And they just want this pomp and circumstance. And I'm like, well, do you meet them? And he's like, I'll meet them. I'll take their money. Uh, like, yeah, we need that. But like, do you meet them? Like, yeah, I meet them. But he said, every time, these folks were almost like, man, I wish I could just like not have a name on this. They would drop it in. They would want no recognition. They did not want you to call them and thank them. They're like, this, this was for the Lord. It just, but it had to go somewhere. So like, it's here. Um, he would also say, to say things like the, the, the loudest people in the church are like the least generous. Like he was, he, I mean, he'd just seen 30 years of this kind of thing. Those folks felt validated in calling him and saying, I got something to give. And other folks trusted that the one who sees in secret would reward them. There's a, a man who, when my parents first got married, he mentored them, Bob English. Bob, um, he's a good guy. He's, um, he's elderly now. Um, very, very wise. You can just tell. Like, you can smell the wisdom, like, across the room. You're like, he's wise. Um, and he is. And so Bob, one day, um, they had this campaign. This was at another church. They had this building campaign. And if you gave a certain amount of money, you could get your name on the side of the pew, like, in a little plaque. And he was, like, doing it. Um, and so, like, he, he, like, gave the, the right amount of money. He was an architect, gave the right amount of money. Like, and then one day, he was walking through the church, and he got to the pew with his name on it. And his, his, his head physically sunk down. And he thought about this passage and he said, that's it, that's my reward. I wonder what the Lord had for me. But this is what I get. Like this is, so it's like, there's freedom. The commands of the Lord are not burdensome. This is like very good news. Like this is one of my unto God things. When I give I give to him, and I trust that he sees the secret life of faith. And I think here's one of the gifts. You're going you're gonna to meet, God has all these names in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, all these Hebrew names. You're going to meet Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And you, you, don't, you don't get to meet him if, if, if you're not in a place of, of desperate need and often great giving, you, you, don't, you don't get to meet this side of the Lord. But those of you who are like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, Lord, you have given your son to me. How could I ever outgive you? You'll meet Jehovah Jireh. And you know where that name comes from? That name comes from when Abraham took Isaac to the mountain to sacrifice him. 
And the Lord provided a ram, and, the, and Abraham was the first to say it. He said, God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He spared my son and provided the sacrifice. So like, giving's more than giving. It reminds us of the cross. It reminds us of John 3.16. It reminds us that we'll never outgive the Lord. So the commands of God are not burdensome. This, this is a blessing. And then when we go to this, this next passage, uh, and again, we are going to revisit the Lord's Prayer, but when you get to this next part, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Uh, you, you know what the, the hypocrites are, right? Like this word. That's the, the Greek word for actor. It's the ones who wore, I think we've got a picture of them. It's the ones who, um, it's the ones who wore these masks. They, uh, they, they, they put these on, and they would put on one mask in a, in a Greek play, and it would represent they were happy. They put on another mask in the Greek play, and it would represent they were sad. That's what this is. He's saying, like, and you, when you pray, don't be like the fakes. When they, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners that they may be seen by others. And truly, I say to you, they got their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who sees in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that without promoting yourself, the Lord can exalt you and lift you up in the right time? This was easier in the 90s. I thought about not saying this because it dates me, but then I looked in the mirror and I'm like, you know, spring chicken. So I was like, it's fine, I can say it. In the 90s and in the early 2000s, you, you like, this is actually easier to live out than it is now because like Vision Streetwear was like a cool skate brand. And, uh, and so I like to skateboard, but I didn't skateboard with a bunch of friends. Um, and so the guys at middle school, when I would wear my Vision Streetwear shirt to school, they were like, you're a poser. That was a great word. We need to bring it back. Like it kept us honest. And so like, and I was like, I'm not a poser, I skate. And they were like, poser, skate with us if you skate. And I was like, mom won't let me. And like, it, like, it hurt. But like, it was a great word because it like kept us honest. Now you can wear like a rock icon legend on your t-shirt. People are like, cool shirt, man. Nobody even asks if you know any of their songs. The world has gotten so soft. Like, like, you can be anything you want. It doesn't matter. And so, like, and, and so I think what, what has happened in that is that it's, like, kind of lent itself to, like, hypocrites, like actors. And so the lines are, like, blurry. Now, on the other hand, it's, like, nice that we don't pick on each other as much. Um, it's not super not cool to do that. Um, we thrived on picking on each other. But anyway... Um, so I think, I mean, I'll give you one more example real quick, just real fast. The, the TV show Cheers, like when that was on, I wasn't allowed to watch it. It was like, you know, anyway, but, but I did sometimes. Um, and so like Ted Danson was the bartender in Cheers, uh, you know, the, a good life, like Ted Danson, like he's the bartender in Cheers. And as the bartender, he was this big sports, he was like a jock, total jock. And then this is how strict we were in the 90s and early 2000s. It came out that Ted actually was an actor and didn't know anything about sports. People were ticked. How in the world can you pretend to know about sports? Like that was the world we lived in. And so I think now though, it's very easy to be like, to, to play the part and nobody questions. And so I think, I think this is hard. Um, you, you, so so let's, just, let's just give a real physical example. Let's toss up this pic that's so often on Instagram. This. 
should you or should you not? Like some of you were like, he saw me. <laughs> like I didn't. This is not, this is just this is like a Pinterest picture or something I pulled off. So let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the verse and you just think about this picture. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. This is why I say like the lines are blurry and, and you, you operate in a very complex time in history. This picture for one person could be showing their friends their life has changed. They remember where they parked their car. They didn't have to do a walk of shame. They got up early and felt good and spent time with the Lord. God has redeemed them and saved them. This could be very healthy for one person. And for another person... They don't remember what they read or didn't read anything because they spent so long getting the light right and the photo right and the, and the post right. And for that person, this, this, that's your reward. I hope those likes are worth it. And so we do live in a complex time where we do unto God, and sometimes people see it, and we do unto God, and sometimes people don't see it, but the question is, is it unto God, or is it to be seen by them? Jesus is inviting us into this wild world of faith. Do I really believe that God sees me? And when you get to the spot where you believe God sees you, you can say the same thing that Hagar did in Genesis chapter 16, where she gives God a name, and she says, he is El Roy. The God who sees me. When you get to the spot where you say, it doesn't matter if they saw or not, he saw me. You get to claim that name of his. And then the last section here. When you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who sees in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Fasting is something we need to preach on on a different night. We need to talk about it. We need to dig into it. But there are different types of fast. There's food fast, which is most common. There's also dating fast. There's also media fast. There's all kinds of fast that I would encourage you to consider and embrace. But if it's a fast that was like forced upon you, like the breakup fast, you know, the sweatpants and the ice cream, like the sad fast, fasting from Mr. and Mrs. Wrong, like, you know, that fast, like... It may not count, all right? And like you've probably told us about it. No one knocks on your door in that moment and is like, who is Jesus? Like, no, they're like, don't go there. They're sad. Like, when you fast, when you practice this, the social media, the food, the, 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 the TV, the every night with Christian friends, some of you need to fast from that. You need to like be with non-Christians. Like, when you fast from those things, like, it's, it's kind of like Lizzo says, like, look good. All right, if you know what I'm talking about, like, look good. Like, you gotta like, I mean, like, the Lord wants you to represent him well in the middle of you depriving yourself from something. You're depriving yourself from something so that you can know him better, not, to, not so that people can see that you're depriving yourself. And when you do this, I think this is beautiful, 
you will start to understand another of the names of God. This is one of the rewards. You'll start to understand the name El Shaddai. Our God, the sustainer. I'll show you those, those three names. In giving, I think one of the names of God you really get to see is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. In prayer, I think you get to see El Royai, the God who sees. And in fasting, I think you get to see El Shaddai, the God, our sustainer. While those are up, I'll just tell you briefly about El Shaddai. El Shaddai comes from two words. El is another name that translated, that's translated as God. And it can be used in conjunction with other words to give God, to describe a specific personality of his. And so the Shaddai is actually a combination of two words. One word means breast, like the nourishment of a mother. And the other word means sadu, mountain, which means safety. And when you combine the, the nurture of a mother and the safety of a mountain, what you see is that this is the God who always sustains us in our, in, in our fast. He truly is the bread of life. He truly is the living water. He's what you needed all along. And so an audience of one or an audience of some, these rewards are, are beautiful and they're powerful but they come at a cost. They're not easy to step into the realm of the secret life of faith. I want to just give you one more biblical reminder. These, these verses in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11 say this. Humble yourselves. Follow along as I go through this passage. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. This is starting to live that secret life of faith. Humble yourself under his mighty hand. And at the proper time, he will exalt you. This is when you're living that secret life of faith and cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You see this intimacy, this vertical intimacy between you and him that's being built. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Remember the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, especially someone who's trying to live that unto God life. Resist him, be firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not the only one feeling the pinch of the secret life of faith. And then I love this. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory, in Christ will himself, look at these four things. He, he will do this. No person can do this. He will restore you. He will confirm you. He will strengthen you. And he will establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever Amen. I think living for an audience of one is best seen on the cross. Jesus, fully God, capable of calling down angels from heaven to deliver him from the lies, the, the blasphemy, the, the violence against him, but he doesn't. And instead, listen to these three things. He gives his life. He prays to the Father he fast from his power to free himself because he's got only one in mind to please and then he dies for you and for me to satisfy the wrath of God because God so loves us. And on the third day, the spirit of God breathes life into him. 
and he is validated. And he is restored, he is confirmed, he is strengthened, and he is established. And you, beloved of the Lord, when you hide yourself in the Father who sees you and practice your righteousness unto him, will appreciate this death, burial, and resurrection in a very, very fresh way. When you live unto him, you'll see things happen that you never thought before. In Matthew 25, it's this picture of the great judgment, and Jesus is so good at telling stories. He tells about the great judgment, the great white throne of judgment, and he uses the illustration of sheep and goats. And he says, he says in the very end, what God's gonna do is he's gonna, he's gonna call all the people to him, and he's gonna separate them as though he were separating sheep and goats. And to the sheep, he's going to say, He's going to say, hey, when I was hungry, when I was thirsty, when I was a stranger, when I was naked, when I was sick, uh, when I was in prison, you, you, you fed me, you visited me, you, you gave me medicine, you helped me. And the sheep, the righteous ones, are going to say, when did we do that? And he's going to say, whatever you did for the least of these, you were doing for me. This secret life of faith, when you really trust that God is the provider, God is the seer, God is the, the sustainer, when you really trust these things and you embrace it and you begin to walk with him, it will affect the way you treat other people and you won't even realize it. You want to get your horizontal relationships right? Start right here. Begin the secret life of faith with an audience of one. That very first verse Going, going all the way back to it. There's love in that word beware. Jesus doesn't want you to be entangled in the complicated life of man's approval. He's saying beware because he's not like you watch out, you be careful out there, you be a good little Christian. No, he's saying beware my little ones. I don't want you caught up in the things that trip the rest of the world up. I want you free And Jesus knows what he's saying because he went to the cross because it was his father's will. He knew that because he gave, he prayed, and he fasted. He didn't raise a fuss. Think about this. He didn't raise a fuss when they punched him, when they pulled his beard out, when they mocked him, when they put the crown of thorns on them. He was quiet. He never felt like he had to validate himself to them. Because in that moment, he knew he was an offering, a living sacrifice unto him. And he knew, he knew his father. And he knew his father would validate him. He knew his father would, would make him be seen as the perfect lamb, the son of God, the almighty. And as he was dying... The Father tore the earth with an earthquake. The Father darkened the heavens and hid the sun so that even as he was dying and he remained quiet, trusting his Father would validate him. It was so powerful, this silent dying man on the cross, other than seven brief statements. It was so powerful 
that the centurion in charge of watching the execution, seeing it through, as Jesus breathed his last, said, surely that is the Son of God. Even a cup of cold water given in Jesus' name is repaid. We have such a giving Father. Let's let him validate us. And even when we fail, if we're in him, we're still validated. We have another day to get back up and try again. So who are you living to please? And how is that going to work out for you? The one I want to please will have every knee bow before him one day, wipe away every tear from his followers' eyes, and will destroy death forever. There's no greater audience that any of us can live for. Pray with me. Father, as we come to you tonight in prayer, Lord, you are so good to to give us the opportunity to live unto you. And I thank you that your son, most of all, lived unto you. Lord, he is the greatest to ever give, the greatest to ever fast, the greatest to ever pray. And our hope is in him because we will fail, Lord. We will go back to people pleasing at some point. And Lord, when we do, remind us it's a trap. Lord, may we find our validation at the foot of the cross. May we find our validation in those nail-scarred hands. Thank you, Lord, that you free us from the approval of men. May we walk in that. May we trust this adventurous call to the secret life of faith. In Jesus' name, Lord, amen.